Enterprise-level SaaS companies with sales-led go-to-market functions sometimes ask us how they can change their go-to-market strategy to be product-led. They've heard of enterprise businesses like Adobe and Heroku who move from sales-led to product-led, and they're convinced that if only they could make that happen, they would experience the same huge revenue growth and user adoption. But because they're organizations with complex decision-making processes, and often a low tolerance for risk, internal evangelists for the product-led GTM struggle to make any progress. Now, we were recently hired by one of the world's most recognizable names in SaaS to help them overcome this important challenge and plan out their pivot to a product-led strategy. In this episode, we'll explore the reasons that sales-led go-to-market is no longer the most effective model, how we help that enterprise SaaS company rethink their go-to-market strategy to move to a product-led model, and how to translate that fundamental change for the key functions in the organization. By the end of this episode, you'll have an understanding of how to build a roadmap for your organization to move from a legacy sales-led model to a product-led model that makes better opportunities for your sales team and drives more revenue overall. And if you need help getting buy-in for your product-led plans, you should schedule a free SaaS scale session on our website. Just go to poweredbysearch.com forward slash assessment. That's poweredbysearch.com forward slash assessment to find out how we can help you make the most of that transition and do it gracefully. I'm Mark Thomas. I'm the head of growth at Powered by Search. And today I'm gonna talk you through some of the best knowledge that we have on building B2B SaaS businesses. Now, if any of this is interesting to you and you want to read more, you should go to our website. It's poweredbysearch.com and check us out there. Let's talk about reasons that sales-led go-to-market is no longer the most effective model. Let's just start by saying, at a certain point, almost every B2B SaaS business hires a significant sales force. Now, here's a section, and I'm referring to a graphic that is actually in the accompanying blog post, link is in the show notes, of a graphic breaking down the GTM motions of 30 B2B SaaS companies from Lenny's newsletter. Most SaaS businesses add a sales go-to-market to their product-led model. Now, as you can see, most of those businesses are also household names, if you're in tech. And yet, despite the idea that they are all pioneers of the product-led model, they almost all have sales assist or sales-led models once they hit scale. Sales teams are not the enemy. But... Sales-driven SaaS companies often suffer from low close rates, and that makes it hard for marketing teams to get buy-in for their work in the organization. Now, there are three main problems that cause this. Marketing produces poor quality leads, over-reliance on BDRs to qualify leads, that's business development reps, in case you don't know, and lead scoring models that don't reflect buyer intent. Let's talk about each of those now. Too many MQLs, not enough sales. First things first, marketing teams are often incentivized to fill the sales pipeline with leads. In fact, many teams are given MQL targets to hit as their primary objective. Now, contrary to the popular narrative, we actually see the MQL as a valuable part of a B2B SaaS company's marketing system. But frequently, 
Marketing teams will mark a person who downloads a lead magnet or visits a pricing page twice as MQLs in order to fill the pipeline because they believe that once this is done, sales can deal with them. But that's like picking up a pile of dirt and hoping that you find a truffle. Consequently, MQLs that get passed to sales have very little interest in actually becoming customers or are totally the wrong fit to buy the product in the first place. This leads to the second problem, an over-reliance on business development representatives. BDRs are usually tasks with reaching out to MQLs via phone or email to work out whether they're qualified to have a conversation with a sales rep. Unfortunately, because the lead qualification by marketing and sales-led organization often relies heavily on hitting arbitrary lead scoring thresholds, for example, downloaded a lead magnet, registered for a webinar, visited a booth at a trade show, the MQL to SQL conversion rate is actually very low. An upshot is that organizations need to hire so many BDRs to work out who is qualified for a sales call at all. Now, this creates a bloat on the company's profit and loss that product-led businesses just don't have because, and this is the third problem for sales-led SaaS, they make good use of intent data to enrich their lead scoring models. Now, in a product-led business, there may well be demographic and firmographic lead scoring models, just like in a sales-led business. But in addition to those, the marketing and growth teams have product action and intent data factored into their scoring. Sales-led organizations rely heavily on BDRs to work out the intent of prospects. Product-led businesses, therefore, need far fewer BDRs. To reiterate, the argument here is not that sales-heavy organizations are bad or outdated. It's naive, frankly, to think that high ACV products will be bought entirely without a sales team. The argument is sales-driven organizations are less successful because marketing teams are less able to generate high-quality leads that turn into customers at a high rate. Now let's look at how we advised an enterprise SaaS company when they were planning a pivot from a sales-led model to a product-led model. We've just established that there are lots of issues with a sales-led go-to-market strategy. Most notably, marketing tends to create leads that don't convert, and that has a profound impact on the organization's ability to grow. But when you're an enterprise SaaS with a high level of organizational complexity and a diverse product portfolio, how do you pivot from sales-led to product-led? This is the challenge a client came to us with to help recently. Now, in the next section of this episode, we'll share how we helped them break this down into projects and translate the changes they needed to make for each stakeholder. Rethinking the life cycle in a product-led go-to-market. That's where we started. Now, as we discussed earlier in this episode, in sales-driven organizations, marketing-qualified leads tend to be of poor quality because they don't take into account a prospect's actual intent. Marketing usually leaves BDRs to work that out for themselves. Now, our client has been around for a long time and has a vast number of ways that a visitor to the website could become an MQL. The first major change that we advised our client to make was to treat the MQL as a stage of awareness versus a stage in the pipeline. A visitor to a website or a free trial signup may engage with the company for a long time or on a casual basis before being ready to buy at all. But unlike sales-driven businesses who see someone who will usually have a BDR follow-up with people that download a lead magnet or attend a webinar, in a product-led business, 
MQLs are thought of as hand raisers. Effectively, they're saying that they have a level of awareness, but they're not saying that they are sales ready. So how should marketing teams in sales-driven organizations moving to a product-led model make the MQL a more meaningful stage of awareness? Now, in a previous episode, we talked about a client who we helped to do this by creating contextualized offers for MQLs that would help build awareness in meaningful, practical ways. Our clients suffered from MQLs languishing in the pipeline. They had been marked as MQLs after they downloaded any lead magnet on the site, and there was no way for them to actually develop their awareness. Consequently, those MQLs converted to demo or trial at a rate of between 25 to 5%. Our strategy was to redefine the purpose of the MQL in the pipeline as a stage of awareness and offer ways for MQLs to build towards product awareness. The first step in that process is to create lead magnets that align to the stage of awareness a prospect may be at already. For example, in the accompanying blog post, we're talking about a lead magnet that we created for our clients, which speaks to prospects who are problem aware. They know that they have a problem and they're looking for a way to solve that problem, but they might not know that our client's product exists to help them do that. Now, When a prospect downloaded that lead magnet, they were marked as an MQL in the lifecycle because they had effectively raised their hand to say that they wanted information about how to solve the problem. On the thank you page for that lead magnet, prospects saw the following thing, and there's a illustration here of what they saw. It says, looking for a simpler way to scale your AUM, that's assets under management. And then there's a video, which lasts five minutes, and a 30-day free trial offer with uh, pain point related copy, and then it says start your free trial. So how did it work? Well, they were told that they would receive their download by email five minutes after they requested it. But crucially, the lead magnet download thank you page they saw offered them a five minute video explaining how to solve the problem that they had already requested information about on the previous screen with our client's product. They were also offered a 30-day free trial directly on that page with copy very closely tied to the pain that we knew that they already had. This allowed the prospect to indicate their intent in a much richer way that a BDR would be able to ascertain from a 20-minute phone call or a drip-fed email sequence. Now, before implementing this strategy, MQLs converted to free trial at 5-10% to compared to 2.5% on non-contextualized offer pages. So here's an important thing. Not every team in your organization needs to know that you're redefining MQLs as you move to product-led GTM. Instead, you should align the change that you're making to the wants, needs, desires, and fears, ultimately, of stakeholders on other teams. For example, here's what you could say to the sales team. We're reevaluating the kinds of MQL that we send to your BDRs. You might see fewer SQLs, but they'll be much more likely to convert when they reach you. And as you communicate this to your leadership or the C-suite, you can say, as we move forward in our product-led pilot program, we're making strategic changes to our marketing strategy that will allow us to ensure that downstream revenue is more predictable by creating a higher level of pipeline surety for our sales teams. Moving to a smarter lead scoring model. 
Sales-driven SaaS companies use a lead scoring model that takes into account stuff like organization size, regardless of the lead's actual job, Fortune 500 status, even if the lead is totally the wrong customer in that organization, webinar registration, even if the lead never attended or downloaded the recording. Now, when a prospect undertakes one of those actions or fits into one of those categories, they're given a set number of points. And once they hit a threshold, they're marked as ready for sales conversations. But there's actually a lot of missing information, such as prospects' motivations for engaging with the company, timelines for buying, if any at all, product activity, internal conversations, prospect knowledge gaps, prospect concerns, prospects' adoption capabilities, the buying unit in the prospect's organization. That's a lot of missing information. Now, the difference between a lead scoring model in sales-led and product-led organizations is really stark when you think about it. Now, to move away from a sales-led and towards a product-led organization, SaaS companies must make three big changes. Number one, allow prospects to choose their own adventure. The first thing that they should do is realize that no two deals are alike. Even in highly replicable sales models, The characters, timelines, and needs are different every time. The product-led go-to-market is no different. In the image below, I'm recommending looking at the blog post at this point as well, shows two very normal but very vastly different customer journeys in a product-led model. On the one hand, you've got someone who starts a trial, attends a webinar, logs back into the trial, attends a different webinar, invites their team to the trial, then they're ready to talk to sales. And then on the other hand, you've got someone who reads one blog article, there's a three month gap in their activity. Then they read two blog articles, initiate a live chat, and they're ready to talk to sales. Now, in a traditional lead scoring model, the second person, the one with a break in the sales, would likely have been screened out of the sales funnel because she took that three month break in her activity. On the other hand, the first guy He would have been screened out probably because he would have looked like an MQL on account of starting a trial but being screened out by a BDR before he even got to try the product itself. Now, in a product-led model where they are allowed to choose their own adventures, both of these prospects could become happy, revenue-contributing customers. Practically speaking, the key in allowing users to choose their own adventures is to move away from lead scoring based only on interaction with the marketing site and to factor in product usage signals too. For example, inviting a team member to a trial of a product is an extremely high intense signal because the person doing so likely has recognized the value and wants to bet, I'm doing air quotes there, some of their social capital on the fact that their teammates will also find value. Point two is to build engagement signals into marketing operations. Another way that you can improve the use of lead scoring when moving to a product-led GTM is to build engagement signals into those marketing operations. Now, again, there's a matrix that I'm referring to from the accompanying blog post. The link is in the show notes. And I've added axes for engagement and for fit. Sales-led models tend to only focus on the vertical axis of fit. But as we've seen, this actually hurts the close rates of leads generated by marketing because they're significantly less qualified than a simple demographic or firmographic scoring model makes them out to be. Now, by adding in product engagement signals, we actually improve the targeting of lead nurturing. 
For example, a person who is highly engaged but is a poor demographic or firmographic fit shouldn't be assumed to be ready for a conversation with sales. A person falling into that category might not have the budget to buy an enterprise tool. Although, frankly, who can know that? But at the same time, they are clearly a person who likes your product because they've engaged with it a lot. Now at that point, it makes a lot of sense to work out how you can add this user or prospect or visitor, whatever you want to label them as, to an evangelist or a referral program to incentivize them to tell others about how good your product is and how much they're getting out of it. On the other hand, a person with low fit and low engagement can be pretty much ignored or marked as a subscriber, at least, to your blog updates. Now, in a sales-led GTM, there's not a way for you to meaningfully differentiate between evangelists and people to ignore, as an example, by the way, because there is no engagement data factored in. That means that you waste marketing resource, or worse, you miss out on leads that evangelists could have sent you as well. The third thing is to build in trigger points for sales involvement. And we've talked a lot about how you should nurture prospects and allow them to choose their own adventures. But in enterprise SaaS, at a certain point, you need to allow sales to intervene directly. That's why we recommended our client building trigger points for sales involvement. Now in their traditional lead scoring model, the trigger point was simply a lead scoring threshold being passed when a BDR would take on management of the prospect. But as they work towards adding product activity data into their lead scoring model, they'll also have to build systems that track high value actions or HVAs from now on. A HVA for a SaaS product might be inviting team members, creating whatever your product creates, for example, an invoice report, a survey, interacting with a pricing view in the app. And every SaaS's HVAs are different and depend on the pain that the product solves. But once they're identified, you can build automations in your CRM or marketing automation platform that trigger sales involvement when they are hit in combination with traditional lead scoring. Here's an example of what that could look like for an enterprise SaaS transitioning to a product-led model. There's a nice diagram of this, but effectively, in this model, a person will be passed to sales if they log into the trial more than four times and take a specific HVA as well as having a lead score of more than 60 or great firmographic fit. And look, that's just an illustration of what a trigger point for sales involvement could look like. But by factoring this kind of targeting and segmentation into a marketing system, the marketing team will be able to generate SQLs that turn into revenue generating opportunities with minimal BDR involvement. How do you translate this change for stakeholders though? For the sales team, Here's what you could say. You know that engaged prospects are more likely to convert. Now with your input, we'll be able to identify ways to improve our definition of engaged and adding product usage signals into the mix for the first time. Why is that exciting? Well, the result will be that you get prospects who are highly qualified that may have fallen through the existing lead scoring model. Okay, for the C-suite and other execs, in line with our goals of adding a product-led go-to-market, we're developing systems for identifying high-value opportunities in our pipeline that may have previously been difficult to see. The result will be increased volume of high-quality prospects who will convert into revenue at a much greater rate. And because this stage of the process probably requires engineering team to track product activity, we also need to make an ask of the technical engineering or the product team. So how do you do that? 
Well, you say something like, we're trying to understand how users are interacting with the product so that we can provide the best opportunities to nurture highly engaged users. Working together, product and marketing can increase engagement with our product suite by identifying high value user events and adding relevant tracking systems to that. Building a strategic plan is the final action here. Now, the final part of the process is a super practical one. You need an actionable milestone oriented plan for making this happen. In enterprise SaaS, you need to plan ahead. There are multiple stakeholders to get bought into a process. You're not in a startup anymore. This stuff takes time. So the question we asked of our client was, what will the milestones for your move to a product-led model look like on a three, 12, and 36-month timeframe? That question in itself is very useful because it allows you to think in terms of timeframes and what might be achievable across the organization. But even when timelines are set out, managing multiple stakeholders is extremely difficult when there's no momentum other than planning. We helped our client to see that building momentum as quickly as possible would be the most effective route to making an organization-wide change like their GTM pivot. We suggested that they categorize activities that they needed to make, many of them were outlined in the previous sections of this podcast, by the way, on two axes. Delayed value versus immediate value, and single-player actions versus multiplayer actions. What we mean by delayed and immediate value should be obvious. If you do something now, it'll create value for the organization, or are you going to have to wait a period of time for it to create value? But categorizing things into single player versus multiplayer is less obvious in fairness. So here's what we mean by it. A single player action is an action that you or your team can take without the approval or buy-in of any other teams. A multiplayer action is the opposite. Actions that need input, time or effort from other teams such as sales, product, engineering, or executive teams. In the blog post, there's an example of how we plot out the actions that our client may have needed to take in order to actually make this change. And we plot those out on the axes. It's quite interesting and you should definitely take a look at it. But the really key piece of insight here is that in order to make this change as smooth as possible, Organizations should focus on single-player actions that provide immediate value. Completing actions such as building lifecycle materials, campaigns, and revising a model for sales readiness will have at least some immediate value, regardless of whether the product-led infrastructure is in place or not. And most of that stuff can be done without input from any other departments. Now, growth and marketing teams that drive this change can use the momentum that they gain from this kind of single player activity and the results that it delivers to get buy-in from other stakeholders for high value multiplayer activities. Let's just look one more time at how to translate this change for stakeholders because this is one of the biggest fail points for organizations moving to a product-led model. Here's how a marketing or growth team making this change could communicate this to sales. We're identifying the best next moves for adding the kinds of insights and changes to the life cycle that we've told you will help improve pipeline surety and help you close more deals. Now, in the next 12 months, we're mostly focused on work that we can do within the marketing organization alone, but we'll also need your help with, and then do a description of the high value project that you've identified. For the C-suite, you could say something like, we're developing a roadmap for developing the infrastructure that will support our product-led go-to-market. But longer term, 
what we're developing in the next 3, 12, and 36 months periods will form the basis for transforming other go-to-market strategies to product-led in the future that we might want to make as an organization too. And then for the engineering or product teams. We're developing a roadmap for moving towards a product-led model that will definitely need input from your teams. And we'd like to understand when there's an opportunity to work within your product roadmap on a 3, 12, and 36-month time frame. In the meantime, we'll focus on some of the projects that we can deliver with minimal product input. Let's pull this all together. Moving from a sales-led GTM to a product-led GTM has significant advantages for SaaS businesses from small to enterprise. However, it is a fundamental and systemic change that requires time, thought, and ultimately buy-in from multiple stakeholders. To make the leap, enterprise SaaS companies should do the following. Number one, rethink the customer lifecycle to create higher pipeline surety. Number two, Move to a lead scoring system that factors in product engagement as well as classic lead scoring signals. And number three, build a long-term roadmap, but focus on single-player high-value actions in the short term. A go-to-market strategy pivot, it takes time, but the payoff of getting it right could be massive. And if this has resonated with you and you want to build a winning go-to-market strategy, Schedule a free SaaS scale session to find out how we can help you build an unstoppable SaaS business. Go to poweredbysearch.com forward slash assessment. That's poweredbysearch.com forward slash assessment. I'll see you next time. Now, if you enjoyed that today and you want to do something about your B2B SaaS marketing, you should get in touch with us. You can do that by going to poweredbysearch.com and checking out our assessment page, or you can browse the case studies and blogs that we have on the site. Now, if you're not ready to do that, definitely say hi anyway. You can ping me on Twitter. I'm at I am Mark Thomas, that's Mark with a C. Or you can ping our founder and CEO, Dev Basu, and connect with us there. Looking forward to seeing you again for another episode.